Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact. I have been interested in teaching on the two aspects of salvation. The first aspect is to be saved from death to life, and that is accomplished by getting rid of sin so we can stand in righteousness before God. And the second aspect is the wholeness of life now. I started by, by, by looking really at Israel. I, I think it's so important to look at Israel because if we don't, I think we miss a lot of what we are being taught in the New Testament. For Israel, they, they don't think about the first aspect of salvation, which is belonging to God, because they know they belong to God. Uh, God calls them his firstborn son, and, and he says he's their father, and, and so of course they know that. Um, I was talking with someone recently who's a Jew and about the book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and and the person, yes, had, had seen the book, hadn't read the book. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran minister in Germany during World War II, and he stood up against Hitler, and uh, Deanna Dye has done a, a series of teachings on Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his book which I encourage you to go to BibleInteract.tv to see. But the point I want to make here is I said, you know, Bonhoeffer not only came to realize that history repeats itself and this whole concept of, of tyranny and a, a tyrant rising up is, is going to happen again in places throughout the world and perhaps is even in happening in our country today. I said, but he also really went into Scripture to try to understand Scripture and he came to the conclusion that all the Jews belong to God. And uh, this person kind of looked at me with this funny look. I was like, like, oh, yeah? (laughs) I mean, so what's new? (laughs) And it took the Christians all this time to realize that. So my point is that the Jews know they belong to God. So they focus on the second aspect of salvation, which is to walk in righteousness and harmony with God. Now, that's why the law is so important to them, because through the law, they know how to walk in righteousness. Now, for those with faith in Christ, the law is not gone. It, we, we haven't thrown it out. God hasn't thrown it out. It is in us. It, it's not on a piece of paper that we read and put into our head. It's in us. It's, and the Holy Spirit has, has carved it into our hearts. That's metaphorically speaking, but it, it's talking about the, the gift of the Holy Spirit and how the law is now embedded in us and so that we activate it with our faith and love of Christ. So the, the point I was trying to make here is that Jews know they belong to God, so they focus on this second aspect of salvation, which is the wholeness of life now. Christians are sometimes are confused as to whether they really belong to God or not. I think you have to come to the place in your life where you know that you know that you know that you know. You have no question in your mind, no doubt in your mind, you belong to God. And at that point, you can focus on the second aspect of salvation, which is walking in wholeness now. Now... In, in the last session, I was talking about uh, Jacob's ladder and how 
the ascending and descending that that God is is raising us up to him he's in the heavens that all the other surrounding ancient near eastern uh, countries the gods look like men and they came down to earth and they even interacted with men and cohabited with men even but our God, the God of Israel, is very different. He's up in the heavens, and, and he has sent his son down to to help facilitate, but he himself, the Father, remains in the heavens. And he's drawing us up to him, and he draws us up to him through his son. Um, and uh, we read Yeshua in Matthew, Truly I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Yeshua. So he is he is ascending up into the heavens, but he's he's doing it because he has come down to to work with us, to bring us up with him up to God who is in the heavens. Now, what I want to do in this session is I want to take a look at the concept of holiness. Because God says in Leviticus, be holy for I am holy. Now, we can only rise up into the presence of God if we are in that holy, righteous condition. And some people say it's impossible to be holy and righteous. We're going to have to wait for God to do something. Well, perhaps God will do something, but right now you have the the option, the ability to rise up in holiness into the presence of God. So let's read that, that verse in, in Leviticus. It's of Leviticus 11.44. And it says, God is speaking. He says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore. Consecrate means to make yourselves clean. Get rid of all the sin. Make, you know, just consecrate yourselves. And be holy. Because when you get rid of the sin, you are holy. For, because, it means because, because I am holy. So what does it mean, because he's holy? He wants us to be holy because he's holy. Because that's the only way we can come into his presence. That's the only way we can draw near to him. And then it continues, you shall not make yourselves unclean. So so this whole concept of being holy is available to us. That's the point I want to make. It is available. So we want to take a look at if it's available, how do we do it? Now, what I want to point out is that this concept of being holy because I am holy is not just an Old Testament thing because Peter uh, repeats it in the New Testament book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. He's going to cite from Leviticus. And, and Peter says, as obedient children... All right. If you're obedient, you are walking in the ways of the law. You are doing that by activating the Holy Spirit in you, which has carved the law in your heart so that you're walking in the ways of the law. So you're obedient in that way. As obedient children, do not be conformed or shaped to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. In other words, before before you came to Christ and 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 came to know him you were you were in bondage to the ways of the world and you were doing all those ungodly things those ungodly actions and the world has done a good shape good job of conforming us of shaping us into its image so we have to break out of that image to become holy and then there's that word but which means it's I'm going to give a um, a comparison here but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. 
because it is written, you shall not be holy, for I am holy. And that's citing from Leviticus. So the holiness has nothing to do with what's in our mind. It has nothing to do with what we believe. Yes, we have to believe in Yeshua first to be able to put him into our lives to guide us. But holiness has everything to do with our behavior. What we say, when we say it, how we walk, how we behave, how we think about other people. Are you judging others and thinking yourself as elevated because you know more? That's ungodly. That's unholy. So we, in, in our behavior, we must become holy. And we're beginning to get some little hints about how to do it. Do not be conformed or shaped to the way of the world. The world is going to do its best to shape you into its way, which is an ungodly way. All right? Now, I want to take a look at this concept, be holy because I am holy. We can draw near, and now I'm, I'm turning here to, to James. I think this is a powerful, powerful, powerful verse, and I want you to maybe write it and put it up on the mirror in your bathroom. God says, or, or this is actually James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So who goes first? You go first. God is not going to draw near to you first. You have to draw near to him first. We have been separated from God by sin. So in order to draw near to God, we must purge ourselves of these sins, of these worldly ways. I have a picture of an onion because we have to strip away all the worldly parts of us and it's very very hard. When you strip away, when you pull away a layer of an onion it makes you cry. It's hard because it's so comfortable. It's the way we've done it for so long. You know, the older I get, the harder it is for me to make, to, to adapt to all the changes that are occurring in the world today. You know, I still wear clothes that are, are not what the young teens are wearing. I guess I wouldn't look good in those clothes anyway. But I'm, I'm still very conservative in my dress. I'm conservative in the way I do things because it, it's hard to change. Now, God says you must change or... You don't have to. I mean, you belong to him whether you change or not. But because you belong to him and because he's holy, he wants you in his arms. And the only way you can get into his arms is to, to get rid of the sin in your life. And you do that by changing. And you, you do that by getting rid of the worldly parts of you, like stripping the layers of an onion. So you strip one layer. You know, you identify something that clearly is ungodly in your life. And you say, okay, God, um, I want to change. And your Lord Yeshua is there to help you change. And you work on it. And you work on it. And you, you practice it. And, and you find yourself slipping back. But you keep going. You're committed to making the change. And you make the change. And you begin to realize that you really have made that change in your life. And guess what? Underneath is another layer of the onion. You can live to be a thousand years old. And you'll never stop peeling away the layers that the world has, has, has built. I see, and again, I'm, I'm a very visual person, so I see my heart. My heart is a very tender thing, and I have to protect it. I can't just, you know, put my heart out everywhere where people can 
trample all over it. You know, my heart is a very special thing. And what the world has done and what I've done is I've built up these layers around my heart to protect myself from being hurt. Well, in the process of stripping away these layers of onion, you're exposing your heart until you have no protection against your heart because you have total trust and faith in God that he is your protection. You don't have to rely on any other kind of of protection that you've built up during your life. You have total confidence in him. And that's kind of the imagery that I get of, of... of this process of change and 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 we first have to draw near to God by purging ourselves of our sinful ways and then he will draw near to us now um, I've got some more things I wanted to to share with you here in 2nd Corinthians 318 it says we want to be transformed into the same image this the same image um, actually it says from glory to glory, but it's that same image of, of Christ is what it is, and the, the image of Christ who's, who's drawing us to, to God. And what, I want to take a look at that word for image, because we read in, um, let's see, we're still in Second Corinthians, but in chapter 4, Christ is the image of God. And again in Colossians, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Now what does it mean to be the image And the reason it's important to get this is because we first started with we want to be conformed into the same image. So what is this image? In the Greek, it's the word icon, from which we get icon. And it means a likeness or representation. It's not the thing itself. So Christ is the Son. He is not the Father himself. He is the Son, but he is the likeness and representation of the Father. Now, you you may get a a sense of this when the Pharisees came to Yeshua and said, is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar? And Yeshua said, show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they they showed him a coin. And and he says, whose image, whose likeness is on this coin? Well, Caesar's... um, you know, image of Caesar was stamped on the coin. That is not Caesar. It's the likeness and representation of Caesar. That's what it is. And it's the same word, icon. Um, So it's the likeness and representation of Caesar. And then he said, the translation is render, but the, the Greek means to give back to Caesar the things that are his. So Caesar has has given you this coin which has his image, his likeness, his representation on it. And because his representation, his likeness is on it, give it back to him. Came from him, give it back to him. That, that's what he's saying. But then he goes on that the, the things that we must also render to, to God, the things that are his. The word render means to give back. So we give back to God what he has originally given us. Just like giving back the coin that was originally given. Okay, so we must give back to God what God has given us. What has God given us? Well, he's He's given us his son, and he's also, and, and through his son, he's given us his righteousness. We have his righteousness. Now, how do we give back his son? We give back his son by becoming like the son. 
and in fact it just says you know we are trans we want to be transformed into the same image the same likeness the same representation as the son because the son is in the likeness and representation of the father so uh, you know again okay do not be conformed or shaped to the former lusts the ways of the world which were yours in your ignorance but be like the holy one in his likeness you you need to grow into his likeness and and you're doing it because you're growing into the likeness of the son the son is there has been given to you there he's the likeness of the father you become the likeness of the son and in that way you draw near to god and he will draw near to to you now let's take a look at what we give back to god before christ came what was given to God were sacrifices, sacrifices and offering, and they were brought to the temple to give to God. And I want to draw your attention to the sin offering and the guilt offering. Um, they're very similar, but they have slight differences. So if you sin, it has to be an unintentional sin. If you sin intentionally, you cannot be forgiven. You're going to have to take the consequences. Um, you know, there is no forgiveness if you go out and you do something that's absolutely intentional. But if you've sinned in an unintentional way, then you can be forgiven and you do that through the sin offering. You bring an animal which is a substitute for you. So because you're not pure, you bring a pure animal as a substitute. Well, Yeshua is our substitute. We bring Yeshua as our substitute uh, when when we sin. And and he's our substitute. And, and it only worked in ancient Israel if you had to do four things. You had to br acknowledge your sin. You had to say, Father, I have sinned. You have to desire in your heart to repent, which means to change. You truly, truly, truly want to strip that layer of onion away so that you can get rid of that worldly part of you. You have to confess with your mouth your guilt. That's that's in the in the Torah, and that shows how important this this whole thing of speaking aloud, confessing your guilt. And then you bring an offering, which is a substitute. And but you can't bring the offering until you have done these other things first. So we have Yeshua as our substitute. He's the one that, that it, it's, it's almost as if he takes us by the hand and brings us to the Father, into the presence of the Father. And he says to the Father, Father, I have this one who has, has acknowledged the sin, has desired in his or her heart to change, truly, truly wants to change to become more godlike. He has confessed the guilt and he has brought me as an offering and I am bringing you and bringing him to you uh, so that you may forgive him. That's sort of, an, I'm a visual person, so I get that kind of an image. Now, Yeshua, we started out by saying, you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You can only draw near to God in a holy condition. And these are the things you have to do to grow in holiness. You can't just click your fingers and say, now I'm holy. It doesn't work that way. It's a process, and you grow in it. You grow, and you become more holy and more holy and more holy. And so Yeshua has these powerful words. And this is another verse that I, I just put in my memory bank. He says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. The throne of grace is where the Father is seated. And let us, you and me together, let us draw near with confidence. You can be, 
as confident as you are of belonging to God. You now are so confident that you belong to God. Now I want you to be confident that you can come into his presence and and you can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace because I am with you and I am helping you go through this process of change to strip away the sins in your life so that you can come into the presence of the Father in a righteous condition. So we are are called to change. We're called to strip away the layers of the onion. That's what we are called to do. And I think, you know, I'm going to give you some more pictures here. I'm having fun with these pictures. All right. I've, I've done this before. I'm going to do it again. The one who says he abides in Christ also ought himself to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. So we can walk the way Jesus walked. We can walk in that way. It is possible to walk in that way. We have to do it by, by being so our relationship with our Lord Yeshua is so close that we become one with him. When we become one with him, we are walking as he walked. We are speaking. When we speak, we speak for him. Uh, when we act, we it's as if we're acting for him. We are one with him. Now, here we'll, I'm going to get visual again. There's this wonderful uh, poem about, and I'll read it to you and you'll recognize it. It's called Footprints in the Sand. My precious, precious child, I love you. And this is Yeshua talking. And I would never, never leave you during your times of trial and suffering. He's never going to leave us. He's always there. We just need to call help. (laughs) I will never leave you during your times of trial and suffering. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So when life gets very difficult, if you're, if you have a close relationship with Yeshua, he will carry you. Now, turn it around. When you are walking as he walked, there's still only one set of footprints. Because your footprints are the footprints of Christ. You are walking as he walked. You speak for him you act on his behalf, you become as if you are him, you are the image of your Lord Yeshua. You take on the likeness and representation of your Lord Yeshua. And 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 this is this is what God is raising us up to do this. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. And if you live to be a hundred years old and you do it the whole your whole life, you're going to get more and more righteous, closer and closer to God, a closer relationship with your Lord Yeshua. You're going to walk more in holiness. You're going you're going to become more and more and more holy. That's what you're going to become. You know, we were working on the Jacob's ladder, and I'm going to end with this because Jacob's ladder shows the transformation of uh, Jacob. You know he. He was not godly when he bought the birthright and he deceived his brother to get the blessing. And then at the time of Jacob's ladder, he's not worthy yet. God is working with him as he works with us through our Lord Yeshua. Because Jacob says, and after he's had this incredible vision of the, of the ladder and the angels ascending and descending, he says, if God will be with me, and will keep me on this journey that I take, because he's going to Haran to escape his brother, and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. (laughs) 
So God, I'm ticking off the things on my the fingers of my hand that I want you to do. I want you to do one, two, three. I want you to do all these things, and then you can be my God. So he isn't he's God is working with him to raise him up into that holy condition into that righteous condition so that he can be one with God and serve God and and be in the image of of God and and of course we through our Lord Yeshua come into the image of of Yeshua Um, by the way when God changed his name from Jacob to Israel I believe at that point God said you have grown in holiness to the point where you are worthy to inherit the birthright. And the birthright is, the inheritance of the birthright has nothing to do with being saved or not saved. It's that special inheritance of leadership that will defeat the enemy at some time in the future. And um, and, I, and I believe that, you know, that we grow up into holiness and perhaps we also will be worthy to be part of the remnant. I associate the inheritance of the birthright with the remnant. Perhaps we will also be worthy to be part of the remnant, not to be saved because we are saved. I mean, we belong to God, but because perhaps we will be worthy to participate in the final battle against Satan and his dominions to destroy all evil and when all evil is destroyed, then all of God's children will be able to come into his presence because sin will also be destroyed. But now, now we grow into this righteousness. And I think I'm going to have to end now, so I will say shalom, but I'll meet you again in another teaching. Shalom.